Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 60 and guys, we can't believe it. Milestone, photog yeah. adventures milestone. 60 episode episodes. 60. Wow. So if you look at a whole year of podcasts, every week is 52 episodes, and we're eight weeks past that, and I guess that makes sense. I mean, we're a little behind. We're catching mm-hmm, up to mm-hmm. 66, 67 this month so that we can end the year on the exact mark, but 60 episodes, that's a lot. Yeah, we have to make up for stuff that we that happened in life and oh, trips yeah. and stuff. We weren't able to make it that week, and so um, we feel... We, like, we have to catch up a little bit now. And so, so if you guys have caught the podcast, just barely, episode 59 with Michael Shainblum, now we're on a podcast the next day with Serena Ho. Yeah. So Serena Ho is our guest interview today. Welcome, Serena. Yay! Hello! And hey, um, we met her out in Oregon when we were just hanging around. Luckily, we yeah, came across her. It was at awesome. Secret Beach, right? And so... And she um, was kind enough to think it was awesome to hang out with us for a couple of days. Too. Yeah. So that was cool. <laughs> we got to hear some of their stories and talk to them and get to know them better. And so she's here today. We're interviewing her. She's part of the Canon Collective. Out in Australia. Out in Australia. She's, you know, done photography all over the world and we're just happy to have her and interview her she today. does workshops education and she has a great following uh, yeah absolutely impressed by her work serena can you tell us a little bit about yourself your background and then how you came to this uh this point in your life oh this might take a while <laughs> well we're, we're got eager ears buckle down guys <laughs> <laughs> so i'm from australia i'm from melbourne australia um, I actually didn't start off in photography. I, I did get my first camera when I was the age of six. Okay. Um, it was one of those little Kodak disposable cameras. <laughs> nice. Uh, my mom gave it to me to take on school camp. Uh, I took it onto my school camp to Phillip Island, which is well known for mm. having penguins arrive in the evening. <laughs> and I thought I was taking beautiful pictures, but none of the pictures turned out. They were all underexposed. Oh. Um, and so subsequently, mum confiscated my camera. I was not allowed another camera until I learned how to use one. <laughs> 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 and so the next camera I got, I think I was about... 15, I saved up for it with, with all my own money. Mm. Um, at that point, I wasn't really like that into photography. I just wanted to take pictures of my friends. Um, eventually, I ended up going to university. I studied something that had nothing to do with creativity. What I was it? Went into, sorry? What, what did you study? What did you study? We want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I went into arts and computer science with yeah. uh, a major in artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, well, artificial intelligence for robotic um, mechanics that are building things, or what kind of artificial intelligence on the computer, or robotic mecha- mecha- mechatronics? Yeah, yeah. So robotic mechatronics. Oh, wow! Awesome. Uh, <laughs> it, it was. I, I personally found it very boring. 
And I think at that point, <laughs> I take back. If you weren't awesome. completely geeking over it, then I guess you're like, yeah, maybe yeah. this is not the right field I'm for me. I'm a boy who's thinking about playing with like building robots. robots. <laughs> like what? And yeah. that sounds you could have been building robots. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I, initially I thought there would be more multimedia in it. I thought there would mm. be more room to be creative. Oh. Um, and I think I just realized the limitations of it. Um, so. Don't ask me why. I, I quit that and then I became a mental health nurse. Oh, wow. Um, that's quite a switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so with mental illness comes a lot of creativity. I worked with some amazing young people. Um, and I worked on a crisis team. So we would go out and assess people, um, have a look at what kind of treatment that they needed, um, bring them to hospital if we needed to, to give them the best care there. Uh, but mostly cool. it was about working with families to make sure that um, they, they were getting the best treatment that they needed in the community. Wow. Um, so I did that for a very long time. I did that for about 11 or 12 years. Um, and just a couple of years ago, I, I mean, I had been doing music photography at the same time, uh, going out to nightclubs and taking shots for bands, going backstage. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's um, challenging. Yeah, yeah. The lighting it, it is so crazy. You've got to have a really, fast. yeah. You have, have to have a really good lens for that because it's <laughs> such so hard. Oh boy. So yeah. You, you did that for a few years then, before you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was a music photographer for about ten years as well. Oh wow. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, just around Melbourne, around Australia. Um, I toured with bands around Australia as well. Um, you ever happen to it, tour with Flight of the Concords? They're not exactly the bands <laughs> it sounds like you're hanging out with, but they're my favorite <laughs> New Zealand band. <laughs> oh, no, no, but I did tour with uh, Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric? Oh, okay. oh. So, dang, man. I mean, her Facebook page, guys, is Serena versus World, and I'm starting to understand why it's not a versus as a competition as much as it is. She's just worldwide. Yeah. you're. Ah, what a crazy life experience you've had so far, and you haven't even gotten to the stuff that we're really jealous of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the music photography was my first step in, I think. Mm. Um, I, I picked up the camera, and I started really learning the ins and outs of it. So the first camera I had was, a Canon 350D. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was really mm -hmm. basic. It was entry level. And I really didn't know how to use a camera at that time. So learning all the settings, learning that camera inside out, I think it was about six months before I realized that camera really limited what I could do. Mm, um, yeah. And so I upgraded. Yeah, so my next camera was a Canon 5D Mark One. Mm, okay. um, I went to a Mark II, then a Mark III, and now oh, eventually I'm using all of them. a 5DSR. <laughs> oh, okay. 5DSR. Is that what you yeah. had when we met you out in Oregon? Was a 5DSR on you? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. And there's an interesting story behind that, so I'll tell you about that later. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but as as my skills grew, uh, like I, I outgrew every camera, basically. Mm -hmm. um, as my skills grew, the work just kept coming in. Um, eventually I decided to quit music photography and I went to landscape photography um, and now I'm doing that full time. Awesome. We wanted to talk about one picture that you showed me in Oregon and told me a crazy story about that. It's just, 
you've got to tell the listeners how you almost killed yourself in Iceland. That was <laughs> yeah. How that? How did that actually happen? How did that go down? You need to clarify which picture because there were two times that it, I nearly died in Iceland. Really? <laughs> oh, so Iceland's almost a death trap. For- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Every time I go to Iceland, I have to look at ways to keep myself safe. <laughs> oh wow! But I think that's for any trip that you go on. <laughs> oh, honestly, right? And the one we're referring to is the one with your awesome heart shape in the uh, ground. Ah, yes. The pool, yeah. yeah the heart so pool. That, that was actually a trip that I planned with my best friend, Albert Dross, who's actually also a landscape photographer. Awesome. He's one of the most well-known photographers in the Netherlands. Um, so we went to Iceland to visit our good friend, Yuri Belagurski, Um And he's a very well-known Icelandic photographer. Um, and he took us out to this geothermal area um, where the, hot, the ground, it, it was just, it was crackled. There was steam coming out of vents. Um, it was just an amazing, powerful area. And underneath um, w- was just hot lava and hot lava mud. Um, at, at the time, th- there were a few other people there. And we were taking photos, and although we were treading really carefully, um, it felt a little bit safe. Um, but at one point, while Yuri was filming and Albert was actively taking photos, um, I actually fell through lava. Oh, man. What? Just with one foot. Um, I just sank. The ground just gave way beneath me, and it was a terrifying experience. Oh, I could only imagine. Yeah, I knew what was under there. I knew what could happen if I didn't get out. Um, and it, it it was just a split second that lasted for a really long time. Um, eventually, I did get out. My camera gear was okay. I was okay. I was lucky. Very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's extremely important that people remember that the power of the earth and you, 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 can, you might be in a safe area that where you're allowed to go and it's a place where people go all the time, but you, you just need to watch out for your own safety. Oh, my. How, how was the heart attacks in the group of people watching you go? <laughs> <laughs> I, I screamed. There was an almighty scream. <laughs> Uh, everyone stopped and stared, and I think everyone was in shock. Everyone just froze, and it was just me trying to get out of there. And you're like, don't uh, freeze, come help me. Yeah, but what do you yeah. do? She's standing on a cracker that's going to lava. Like, do you step on the cracker edge that she's holding onto that's still got, you know, some yeah, support? Yeah, like, do you add more weight, or do you wait and watch? I, I, I would be in shock, too, and I'd go through my head, uh, don't cause her to fall through because you bring your heavy body over there and crash through with her well what do you do you just, did you guys have any rope was there any chance i mean you can't have rope in lava it's like yeah i got a rope and i'm stand, i'm sitting in lava so i'm, I'm gone yeah, yeah like that's... you could pull yourself out like a life preserver no yeah that's nuts <laughs> yeah no i i actually have no idea how i got out of there i could feel wow. what was underneath and there was nowhere to put a foot wow um, and it was just oh. falling through so oh, man. i I don't know how I got out, and it was a huge lesson to be learned. Um, I will never, ever risk my life again for a picture. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think that's something really important to learn, you know. Like, some of the best pictures are taken in death-defying areas, but you, you really don't need to risk your life for it. It's not worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have this kind of this feeling of Indiana Jones now, kind of what he went through when... <laughs> 
stepping yeah. on the right stones and then they fall. <laughs> Just as oh close to death. Oh my gosh, yeah. Jehovah spelled yeah. with an I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you had a 5DSR story. Should we tell that now before we go into your origin story that continues into what really propelled you into your current standing today? Should we tell that story yeah. now? Okay, so what's yeah, the 5DSR yeah. story? So that was actually in Iceland as well. Um, I was photographing near Jokosalon, the glacier lagoon. Of course, that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I was was in the waves. I I was there with my friend Taru, and she's a Finnish photographer. And probably a famous run from Finnish. You only hang out with famous photographers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't only hang out with famous photographers. Oh, that's right, because you hang out with us. She hung out with us in Oregon, so it's true. She has some humble beginnings. (laughs) She's, she's one of my best friends, and awesome. we've, we've been on trips together for a couple of years now. Nice. Um, and incidentally, we always go in winter, so we're due for another trip soon. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But we were there on the ice beach photographing the ice coming in with the waves. I'm sure you've seen those long exposures. Oh, yeah. yeah love beautiful. Them. Everyone has them. The, the color of the diamonds. ice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so an ice, a, a big chunk of ice came in with the tide. Um, it hit Taru. Taru kicked it away. Um, it came <laughs> flying towards me, oh, and it basically knocked me over. And what? I fell into the water uh, with my camera, my 5D Mark III, my lens, everything that was in my bag, oh, all no. of it into the water, and all of it was gone. It, it was just, it was unsavable. But um, I was pulled out of the water, so I was safe. I, the rip was so strong. I'm so lucky I didn't get carried away. Oh, my gosh. Did yeah, she kick it so, out of the way, like, just to be funny, and then it actually just flung right at you? Or how did that yeah, happen? I'm trying to picture that, too, because the thing came in that she kicked and then was heavy enough to knock you over. I mean, I'm yeah. trying to picture a Looney Tunes situation here, and it's still not making <laughs> sense physically. <laughs> it, I, she kicked it to save herself, and unfortunately, it went into me. And deflected right over to you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Save herself. Yeah. I mean, was it floating on the top of the water? Was it flying? How, what do you mean? It was just it coming in with the water. Oh. So the, the water is so strong, it just pushes these blocks wow. of ice in. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so that was the end of my camera gear as I knew it at that time. And so I was in Iceland. I was at the ice beach in South Iceland, a few hours away from Reykjavik. Uh, And I thought, how am I going to get a camera in this country? Um, So we had to go all the way back to Reykjavik. And everyone knows everything's expensive in Iceland. Sure. And I needed that camera. So I ended up with a 5DSR. Wow. (laughs) It's the only camera they had in the shop. No one else was crazy enough to buy it. (laughs) No, exactly. So I ended up with a new camera, new lenses, and I was ready to go. Oh, my gosh. So is she still your best friend? (laughs) (laughs) One of. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, I think I'm picturing it better now because it's in the water. She's kicking it away from her as it's hitting up against her legs, and then it bumped into your legs in your tripod and knocked you off. So oh it's like gosh. a big chunk of ice yeah. floating in the water. So did you save your card? Were you able to save your memory card? Oh, yeah. From that pic- it, it, it no. literally the sunk. Card came out- <laughs> what? The card came out of the water, and the, the last picture was actually on it, and it w- you could actually see the wave coming over me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I, I hold on to that picture. That, that was a day that 
was almost the end for me. <laughs> oh man! So did you did you recover the rest of your equipment? It was just drenched and just broken, or did it actually sink to the wa- bottom of the ocean, or what? What happened to you? The equipment? Uh, the the equipment was pulled out with okay. me. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was just, just unsavable. Yeah, yeah, it's so much salt water. That water is incredibly salty. Interesting. Um, More so than others. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wasn't even able to claim it on insurance. It, they, did, they didn't cover the saltwater damage. Really? Um, so unfortunately, that that was you know tens of thousands of dollars of gear gone. Yeah, that is sad. That's a that's a really sad way to end this segment. But we're gonna come back, and after this first break, let's talk about what you know rocketed her into worldwide fame. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. You're listening to the Photog Adventures podcast, and we have with us world-famous photographer Serena Ho, who has given us lots to aspire to do and be like, and we met her out in Oregon, and she's talking about the beginning. You told us the origin story, your photography, and then on your site, one of your galleries is called Arctic Dreams, Mm. and it is kind of the beginning for you, this gallery. Why do you refer to it as what kind of started you off? I had actually been working as a mental health nurse for quite a while by that point. Um, So I think it was late 2014 or 2013. Um, I I remember it was around Christmas time, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty came out. And there were beautiful images of Iceland on on that movie. And I had been looking at a lot of images online as well of Iceland. And I think at that point, I decided I needed a career change. Um, I, I just needed some sort of change. And so I actually started saving up to go to Iceland. Um, so eventually I made it to Iceland um, in 2016. In, in It was December into January. Um, and so I, I ended up going to all, all around Iceland and the Lofoten Islands in Norway. Um, and it was a life-changing experience. The, the images that I generated um, that... They just kind of, they, they took a life of their own. Um, and I actually found my own style there. I, I don't think I had ever um, found a style in landscape photography before that, but I found my style there and uh, the, I, I don't know how it took off. It just took off. Um, I ended up winning first place in a competition oh, in really? Melbourne um, mm. held by the Children's Tumor Foundation. Um, so it, it was raising money for charity for, for children who were cancer, who, who were um, undergoing cancer treatment. Mm. Um, and so all of the proceeds from my prize went towards that cause. Um, and it was a wonderful way to kind of break out onto the world stage. Um, it, it was a nice series of photos to do it with as well because it was so life-changing. Mm. And you actually entered it into a contest back in Melbourne of all these Iceland and Norway picks. And do you recommend that same side of approach for people who are listening right now who are wanting to break out on the world stage? Are contests and are contests really a fantastic way to get that attention and start growing? I actually don't think so. Um, mm. I think a lot of contests um, that you'll find online are actually designed in such a way that they make a lot of money from you. Yeah, um, I agree. So I, I, I personally feel like when, when you pay for a contest like that and they give you 
a, a bronze medal or a silver medal. You're actually paying for that. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah. I don't think that's right. Um, I don't agree with the contests being judged by other landscape photographers who are our peers. Um, I think there's something to it when the judging panel is, I guess, you know, made up of people from from galleries, people from the actual art world, people who can critique this sort of work um, and who are equipped to, to actually judge these kinds of contests. Mm, that makes so sense. I think, mm. Yeah, if you're looking for something to join, you should look at how reputable the competition is um, and look at the causes. I mean, I, I don't generally join competitions. Um, and in fact, that's probably one of the only competitions that I've entered um, and the reason that I entered it was because it was for a good cause. Yeah, for the hmm, children. Cool. That's good because I was thinking I might have to change my mindset on contests since it was kind of a nice stepping stone for you and maybe I should help others rec you know, go for it and recommend it more. But mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm still in the same mindset of just it's not necessarily that important, especially with the paid contests where they're just trying to get a lot of submissions and make money off of it and market right, and everything. Right. And so, yeah, still, still situation. But in yours, with that charity that you were doing it for, awesome experience, and it was something good for you. You said it was a good way to lift off your your interest in photography or your career of sharing your photography? Yeah, yeah. So my career really expanded from there. Um, so my artwork was auctioned. Um, mm. And at that point, I, I think I just caught the bug. I thought, mm. I, I, I can't stay in Australia. I need to travel. Um, I actually resigned from my career as a whole um, wow. in 2016. Um, and I, I just started from there. And from there, I started flying everywhere. Um, I moved overseas for a bit. Um, and I actually don't have a home right now. I'm just constantly traveling. <laughs> awesome. You're living the Olaya Locardi life like him and his wife. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so when you have decided to jump out and stop doing the work that you're doing and you're thinking, okay, I love doing this stuff for mental illness, love helping out. And you're thinking, okay, now here I am. I'm going to go and take that risk. What was that like? Yeah, so... I had saved a lot of money by that point. I had saved every single cent that I could. Um, I even moved back home with my parents and stopped paying rent so I could save that money. Um, and it was a really scary decision to make. I mean, obviously, it was a very comfortable position that I had. Um, it was well-paying. I knew I was going to have that job for a very, very long time. Mm. All my friends have you know, long-standing careers. They're settling down with families. And then there I was deciding to go around the world and I, I didn't have anything to hold me down. Um, so I just went for it. Um, I, it, it, was, it was like taking a leap of faith, basically. I took that leap. Um, I, I did everything that I could to make it work. I talked to as many people as I could um, all around the world to see who, who was able to help me out. Um, and, and that's just how it happened. Wow. Oh, man, you really do sound like a Lyle Locardi and Naomi Locardi who just <laughs> went for it. And 
I am jealous having children. I can't do that. I think we were teasing Ian Norman months ago about how he didn't have any children, how he could go for it. But then Brandon and I, we have kids. We can't make that decision. Mm. But our wives have been terribly supportive, and we've been basically doing as much as we possibly can. And the fact that we even met you in Oregon is because they let us go. And so you can still <laughs> kind of live that lifestyle a little bit, but it's just more difficult. And I'd love to follow a lifestyle like you're doing where you just you don't have a home and you go to place to place and you just experience it. Well, you're in Melbourne right now, but where are you going next? So I'm actually going to back back to Lofoten next. Oh, really? Um, mm. And then on my way to Iceland. Oh, man. So you really love leaving that warm summer of the Southern Hemisphere <laughs> and going up to the north. Well, what, why? Extreme north. <laughs> it is way too hot here. It's way too hot in Australia. We've had 40 degree days. I'm, I'm oh, melting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned that you're finding your style and you kind of came across your style. What would you say, you, how would you describe your photography style? I'd say it's quite romantic. Um, it's romantic and it's poetic. And there's, I've had a lot of people comment that there's a certain serenity to it. Um, and I guess that's my namesake. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Serenity. Yeah. Serena. It carries, yeah, it's, it's part of my personality, and I think it carries into my photos. Interesting. So when you're looking for a composition, how much does that influence you? A lot. Um, so a lot of the time, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be in dramatic places, but dramatic is not the kind of shot that I'm looking for. Interesting, yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it might be moody, it might be kind of, it, the conditions might be right for somebody else. But for me, I'm just looking for that soft romance, that thing that pops out and says, this is how I'm feeling at this point in time. Um, I, I'm, it, it's hard to explain what I'm actually looking for. But if I don't feel it, then I, I can't produce a picture mm. that I'll be happy with. That's an interesting way to approach it. Yeah. You go by your gut instinct and the way you're feeling as you're going through yeah. there. That's awesome. So then with the naming of Arctic Dreams, uh, all of these, you're sharing your images on your website. Where else do you share and help tell these stories? Uh, so I actually use my social media quite a lot um, in, in terms of Instagram and Facebook. Um, but I don't really share all that much on other websites. Um, I, I'll share on my website because I enjoy how, how big the photos are on there and you can actually see them full resolution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But personally, um, I like to see my work on walls. Um, mm. And so, you know, displaying in galleries, that, that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for with my work. Um, and if, if I don't think it's going to look good on a wall, um, then it's it's not something that I can take a picture of. Interesting. That's kind of a cutoff for whether mm. it's meet the it's met the quality of is it good enough to print and put on a wall. So yeah, with, and to look at day in day out. Right, <laughs> right. Not, not just the two seconds on Instagram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. For having a lifestyle where you don't live in one place, how do you possibly manage a printed gallery? So I, I do have contacts everywhere and. You know, it, it's not just about displaying back home. It's about displaying all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and at some point, I do hope to, to get into more of the bigger galleries. Like Amsterdam is one of my favorite places on earth. And it's my dream to, to show an opening there. Oh, cool. So, wow. you know, there, there's lots of goals. But for the moment, just little galleries back home. 
I cool. share your love of Amsterdam, but you didn't realize it, but there's a place just south of Amsterdam called Leiden that's even better than Amsterdam. <laughs> Leiden, Netherlands is amazing. That's my favorite place in the Netherlands. I used to live uh, out there, so I'm very biased. <laughs> love Leiden. I went to Leipzig uh, Universiteit, and so I'm really biased to that. <laughs> Yeah, I've been there a few times. I like it too. <laughs> like it too? Look at that. We have Dutch listeners who are going to probably either agree with you or agree with me. I hope that you guys will let me know. <laughs> Leiden's better than Amsterdam, even though Amsterdam's amazing. I love that place. So I keep mentioning it and hinting at it, and I'm looking at your Instagram right now. I mean, you just described starting in 2016. Is that correct? Yeah, so I started the touring in 2016. Okay. When would you say you started your Instagram? Because you have 4,741 followers as of today, and that's not mentioning your Facebook following and other social media. How did you possibly do all of this in that time? What was really the, do you know what the catalyst or key was for you to get rolling? I actually, I honestly have no idea. I came <laughs> home with that Arctic Dreams collection, and I, I didn't even have social media before that. So I, oh, I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have Instagram. actually started my Facebook in, I think, late January, early February of 2016. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so once I got on there, I started contacting other photographers, you know, looking at other people's work. And I thought maybe I should upload my own. Mm -hmm. um, and I did. I think I started my Instagram a bit later than that. Really? Um, oh, that hurts and my heart. I, I have no idea how it took <laughs> off, but it just went. <laughs> and I, I think that's the thing. You need to have a, a body of work that you're happy with, um, that not only you want to look at, but other people want to look at, and it'll stay in their minds. It, you, you need something that people are going to look at for more than a few seconds looking past on Instagram. I think yeah. that's really the weakness that I have right now is I don't have a I have a body of work, but I also don't have it in a nice story setting like you do where there's the mm -hmm. Arctic dream section. And here's all these images that fill that story. I have everything as just all of it. It's all of it and nothing. I don't have it categorized. I don't have mm. it characterized in these galleries and connected and making it a you know a fluid story I maybe that's what I'm missing and Brendan and mm -hmm. I have been around since the beginning of 2016 Instagram really we started in late 2016 I think it was yeah and was later, yeah. we have 700 followers and you have 4,700 followers and so it's like you've had a little bit more time than us but had an amazing amount more success in what you've done and so we're really gonna have to imitate and model after what you've done yeah I think um I mean a lot of people just post single images on social media and there's there's no accompanying story with it. And I guess a thing that I took away from music photography, and I also studied photojournalism oh, cool. um, in university as well. Um, and so a thing that I took away from that is that you should always have a story to tell with, with your series of photos mm -hmm. because that's what people connect with. Yeah. Um, they don't connect with the landscape per se. They find their own story within it. Hmm. And they want to hear about your story and mm -hmm. how you've connected with the landscape around you. Um, and so I think that's a huge thing to be able to put together a cohesive story um, with an underlying message that you're trying to get across. And in the end, that's what sticks with people. And that's mm -hmm. what keeps them coming back to keep looking at that story because they identify with it. Oh, that's inspiring. I think I've really got to do that for 2018. 
I think that's where I've got to change my ways and kind of go and follow that. You have the story of Arctic Dreams, and I see several other galleries in here. Can you talk about the Second World Gallery? What made you decide to separate these pictures as they're all pretty snowy and icy locations? How do you separate those two galleries with two different stories? So I, I guess the galleries are usually separated by the trips that I've taken. Oh, cool. And the experiences that I've had on those trips. Um, so, for example, there are several different galleries in there. There's Pale Mountains, which is the Dolomites, Winter Awakening, which was uh, Finland, Imaginarium, which was also Finnish Lapland. And then Second World was actually when I went to Germany. Um, so I went to Germany late last year. It was when I decided that I was actually going to to actually live with without it. I was going to go out into the world and not have a place to live. Really? Um, yeah. And it, I, I didn't actually have that much money left at that point. <laughs> but I just went. Awesome. Um, and I, I landed in Bavaria, which is in the southern part of Germany. Um, going around to all these famous landmarks like Neuschwanstein Castle. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And not feeling it. I really wasn't feeling hmm. um, the locations that I was going to. Really? And I, I knew that other people had taken beautiful photos home from these places. Um, but I, I just couldn't quite get what they were seeing. And so at a lot of these locations, I just looked the other way um and by looking the other way you you see things that other people don't normally see Mm. and so there's one photo in this collection that um has stood out um it's actually the first photo that's That's, that's on the page yeah it's one of our favorites that's the one we were talking about during the break i mean this picture for you guys who aren't watching it i will put it in the show notes and so you guys can't see what she's talking about right now unless you go to the show notes you'll see this this is the image with the solitary tree that's up against a background of trees and mountains but because of this fog layer that's coming through here, it's isolating it from the background and making it visible. It's a really fantastic shot. So what were you going to say about this shot? Yeah, so I was actually at uh, Neuschwanstein Castle. Um, I, I had been photographing around it at sunrise. I went up to it. I went onto the castle. <laughs> and I just couldn't find a shot. And at around, I think it was maybe 11 o'clock in the morning, I came down from there. And I was actually driving away from the castle. Um, I was very disappointed. I was frustrated. Um, And then I saw this fog kind of drifting in over the plains. Um, And so I stopped the car. I jumped out and the the snow was almost waist deep. And I was just flailing through the snow. (laughs) (laughs) I saw this tree and I thought, this this is it. This is the shot. Um, I got my 70 to 200 out. And I took the shot handheld. It was really hard. I was actually falling over in the snow quite a bit. I just couldn't get my footing. I bet. Um, and yeah, I I didn't actually like. I couldn't see that I, I had a shot that I could keep mm. until I looked at it later on on my computer. And when I actually saw the shot, I still didn't think very much of it. Um, it wasn't until I showed my best friend Albert. Um, and he was blown away by the shot. And that was when I realized I've got something here. <laughs> it's funny so, how that happens yeah. sometimes where you just don't see yeah. it yourself. You have like personal criticism blindness. Where it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I was saying to him, it's a tree. It's a tree surrounded <laughs> by mountains. How, how is this a good shot? Um, but it, it turns out it's, you know, 
it's very popular. <laughs> it's funny because it's what we've been magnetized to as we've gal- you know, navigated this gallery. Mm-hmm. We keep coming back to it. Brendan just went through and looked at all the pictures and he brought it back to this one again. And so it's like, we do love it. It's something about it. I don't know why, but isolated trees against a background of landscape is always something that is romantic to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think um, you just see the vastness of the land there and how, how small that tree is against the big mountains. Um, and just the unique conditions as well, like yeah. the blueness of the landscape, it really shows how cold it was. Yeah. Um, and that's another th- another point I want to make, that um, a lot of people change their white balance in the snow. You really don't need to. It's, it's blue out there. And, <laughs> and that's what you need to get across, how cold it was. Yeah. Uh, it is a fantastically balanced shot. And it's crazy to think that you were at an iconic location worldwide known and driving away from it and looking away from it, you found your iconic shot. It's very, yeah, yeah. It's very cool to think that the other side of this is Neuenschwanstein right there. And that's what I kind of like to do too. I kind of like to focus on things that the average person's also not going to be able to get. And that's why I really like this story mm-hmm. is because when I go out and try to shoot something, I don't really gravitate towards those. Like I want to be there and see that iconic place that everybody else has shot, but that doesn't really like do it for me either. I, huh. I like to focus on the things that are smaller or, or more subtle that yeah. the average person's going to miss, you know? And so that's yeah. why I really like the story about this tree. So before we go into the last segment of the podcast, I want to talk about, you mentioned Germany was a unique situation because you have tons of fans out here. This is where yeah, you have most of your why. following. <laughs> <laughs> my, my largest following is actually in Germany, followed by the US and Australia. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So I think it was actually the series that did it. Mm. Um I think a lot of people identified with this series, that they were seeing their homeland in a way that they see it every day, but they haven't ever thought to capture it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. And like I said, you know, like when, when you connect with a place, you tell the story of that place. And a lot of the feedback that I had from people um, who, who actually live in Germany is that they, they felt like their story was being told. Mm. And I, I think... That, that's what stood out for me as well. When when I was living there for that short period of time, this was how I felt. Um, and it was wonderful to hear from other people that that's also how they feel living in their own homeland. That's awesome that you gave a voice to the story of yeah. a place that people drive through quickly so they can get to Neuenschwanstein, and yet you were celebrating Bavaria and this beautiful snowy landscape, a time and season that people don't often go to Germany because, ah, oh, it's so cold, so difficult. Mm-hmm. And the people well, that live right. there, well, the people that live there see this all the time. They see it every day. They see the nuances. They see the subtle changes in the weather and the beauty around them. Oh, yeah. But it's just the, the average person will never take the time to do that because they're just not there long enough to really enjoy those subtleties, you know? Exactly. I mean, you have a picture right here that shows a new snowfall and all the branches still have snow all over them. And that's just something that you can't get to eventually. You had to be there when it happened. Mm -hmm. You had to be there right after it happened, or at least when it's cold enough to keep everything there. And so people who live there every day and walk to the bus, walk to the train and walk around their homeland, they see that and they take those moments in and you captured them and shared them with the world. So I can see why they would love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, I mean, like I said, it's, it's not always about capturing the dramatic things that you see. It's about capturing what's actually around you um, in, in a way that, that tells a story. 
That's, that's a great reminder. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. And with winter coming up for all of us up here in the Northern Hemisphere, we don't have snow outside the window right now, but I mean, we're going to have that soon. And I miss the Milky Way, yes, but snow photography is something I want to do a lot more of this year. I want to focus on that too this winter. Yeah. Let's meet up. Let's go out and do that more, man. Let's yeah. do it in the morning. Get out there early. So It's been inspirational. Thank you, Serena. <laughs> this has been awesome so far. Let's go ahead and get to our last segment of the podcast. We'll come back talking with Serena Ho. Okay. Hey guys, welcome back to the last uh, section here of the podcast. We're still here with Serena Ho. We're going to talk to her about about some gear for gear time. Um, Serena, you mentioned earlier that you have the 5D SR, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and then maybe some of the other gear you recommend for people that are kind of starting out and getting their feet wet in this. Not to mention, (laughs) (laughs) not to mention that that's the reason you got the cameras because. Your camera got soaked. (laughs) (laughs) Get their feet wet or their entire camera wet so you buy a new camera. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I know you had no choice. It wasn't actually my camera choice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know you didn't have much choice. So what do you really like about the camera now that you've been using it for a while? I I, I love the quality of it. I love the high-resolution files. I'm not a tech head, so I Mm -hmm. can't really go into detail about that kind of stuff. I hear you, Serena. Uh, I am not either. Yeah, I mean, I I learn cameras by feel, and I've done that since day one with mm-hmm. Canon cameras. Um, and I think what I love about Canon is the simplicity of use across all of their cameras. If you start out on one of their entry-level cameras, mm-hmm. you learn exactly how to use it. Um, and, and you can take those skills through to the amateur level, hmm. through to the professional series. Good point. It's, it's something that's really wonderful about their cameras. Um, and so when I picked up the 5DSR, I'd been using the Mark I, the Mark II, and then the Mark III, mm. um, and there, there was something missing in the quality. I mean, those those cameras were amazing in their time, but when I picked up the 5DSR, there was just so much more quality uh, to each image, and there's a higher resolution, so you can print at much larger sizes, mm. um, which is what I need for my work. I, I know a lot of people don't print anymore, but I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that, that was a huge positive that came out of it. But aside from that, I, I love how it performs. It, it lasts in the cold. It's, it's weather sealed. And I go into some very, very cold temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's withstanding minus 20, minus 30 degrees Celsius. Wow. So it's, it's worth it. So right off the cuff, you realize that this has the, the, the detail and the image quality was just surpassing the camera that you had just replaced it with yes yeah. definitely and it, i mean the mark three it, it had a lot of noise um and it might have been just that i had used it so much i was probably over shutter count um from taking it to yeah to do music photography i know that i am yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but when i picked up the 5dsr it was just perfect for landscape photography it's perfect for for anything where you need a tripod, basically, mm. um, it's obviously it's not um, designed for for action environments. Right. Um, so I wouldn't take it to do. I mean, I have taken it to do music photography, and it's been wonderful. But it's not it's it's not particularly fast. Mm. Um, the file sizes are so large that they will take a while to write. Oh, um, I see. Card. And mm. and so you need much larger memory cards as well. Uh, the high dynamic range isn't as 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 good as you might find in a mirrorless camera. Um, but like I said, for, for landscapes and portraits, it's fine. You might struggle a little bit in low light, though. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's some of the reviews I've seen is um, 
as what you just said. So can you tell us about a favorite piece of gear or something that you had that you've used that um, is really great, that's been beneficial to you or something you can recommend to someone that's getting started or that are kind of thinking about going more professional? What's something that you could recommend gear-wise? It's, it's not actually, you know, a lens or a camera per se, but Perfect. I would recommend that you get an L bracket. It's ah, really yes. So useful. Mm-hmm. I mean, prior to that, I'd been fiddling with my tripod, losing my composition every time I took my camera to go from landscape to portrait mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but with an L bracket, it's, it's, it makes things so much easier. You don't lose um, your leveling. So... You just go from landscape to portrait in a split second. It's it's so easy. I absolutely love mine. I mean, I've been yes. in panoramas. I've been in situations with the sunset that's going quick, and I'm like, I'm loving the shot, loving the shot. Okay, I want a panorama. Okay, flip, flip it, vertical, panorama, panorama, panorama. Oh, that light over there is awesome. Okay, back to Y. Let's get that in there. Mm-hmm. And I love that I can just hop back and forth between them without losing too much time and losing that light. Yeah, I can see your point too. Because with um, you know, with the, just a tripod and no L bracket, you when you t- tip it to to be portrait you're tilting it to the side and then you got to reposition your tripod oh, and then fiddle with all these things and you're just wasting time right <laughs> yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah. you can get l brackets for almost every camera now and you can get some really good cheap options too there's some really decent ones like i've got a sunway photo for instance and that's like half the price of like the next one up and it's been perfect i love it so Great yeah, recommendations. Yeah, actually, Sunway photo as well. Oh, great. <laughs> awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So let's put you a little on the spot here with Serena Ho now. Thousands and thousands of followers after just two years. I mean, you're so it's such amazing work. And you've got great photography, great stuff. Everything that you've learned up to this point, what if you could go back and see Serena Ho when you're just starting? What would you tell her that you want that you wish you knew when you were beginning? Hmm. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on the spot. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome to Photog Adventures. <laughs> I might have to think a little bit about this one. That's okay. We can um, say Serena Ho. I'm just, I keep saying that now, guys, in my head. I know some of you know what Thundercats are. Thundercats are awesome. And Thundercats, Thundercats Ho is just all in my head. She has an awesome last name, Serena Ho. I think it's also because it's three syllables, Thundercats, Serena. And so I'm really thinking it right now. So hopefully my... Um, you need to grow up, man. Come on. <laughs> hopefully my tangent into Thundercats and being a little boy over here has given you enough time to think about that awesome advice you would give younger yeah. Serena Ho. Well, when I first started, I have I, I was I was foolish. I bought every single thing that I thought I needed oh. on the camera market. Yeah. I ended up with filters that I never used. Oh. I had a tripod that I never used. I had lenses I never used. Um, you know, I, at one point I thought I could go into macro, and I bought every single macro lens I could think of. <laughs> and you know, there's there's so much stuff you don't need. You really just need to minimize um, your gear collection because I'm still trying to sell a lot of mine. Um, you, you need to minimize it to what you can carry in your backpack because that's the stuff that you're going to use. Mm-hmm. There's no use wasting thousands and thousands of dollars. You need to perfect what you do with what you have. And, you know, there are times when you don't even need a tripod. I think a lot of people forget how to how to shoot without, without a tripod. You know, there are times when you can just go out there handheld and just shoot away. You can do your panoramas handheld. You don't need everything that you think you need. 
I'm guilty of that right there. I use my pant, <laughs> my tripod way longer into the morning than I need to. Like I'm at like 1,400th of a second. And I'm like still holding on a tripod. It's like, why oh am I yeah, doing no, this? at that point I break it out. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going freehand, man. I'm, the tripod feels limiting sometimes. So I love switching it up. Yeah. I definitely got to pay attention to that more. I got to do that. That's awesome advice. Yeah. You mentioned that you had a tripod that you didn't need that you got. I'm trying, I'm curious. What was it? I mean, you have a tripod that you need, but you bought a separate one that you never used? Uh, yeah, so I, ha I was given a tripod, a Manfrotto tripod, mm -hmm. and I, I kept it for the longest time because it was a Manfrotto. Oh. And I thought, this is a well-made tripod, <laughs> but it just didn't suit my style. Like, it, it was clamps instead of twisting. Um, mm. it, it just wasn't what I needed, so. Yeah. And I like the clamps. I, I, so yeah. I like the twisting. <laughs> yeah, so we're... <laughs> I'm on your side, Serena. Yeah. Forget we're you. Have right. yeah. We're going to have to diverge ways that way, Serena. Sorry. We <laughs> well, we, we can see that happening. And gear time is a funny segment because we always think about we don't have completely new gear in 2017 that we didn't have in 2016. Because yeah, you just we got don't very need. Yeah, we, that's true. This year, I mean, because we, we, we built up a lot of gear ramping up to 2017, right? Because we started yeah. getting into it, doing it more and more, realized we needed certain things. We picked up some lenses, picked up tripods, right. heads, all that stuff. And then 2017, we just went out and just did it. And we didn't really <laughs> pick up a whole lot of new stuff. It was just picking up little things here and there and just refining. And that's what I really like about your advice is just we just figured, hey, we've got what we need. Go out and do it. We're refining what we're doing and realizing, yeah. well, we don't need a whole lot extra um, yeah. And I'm a total gear guy too. I would collect everything <laughs> in the world if I could. Yeah, you could. And, um, and then end up like Drew and never use it and having to loan it out all the time because I never use it. So, well, that's okay. Um, Cause Drew can keep doing that. Drew don't listen to Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Keep gathering gear and loaning because it out Because we will be us. lucky to have it and use it anytime. That's great. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And I actually sold a lot of my gear to fund my traveling as well. So perfect. I have oh, cool. a, a yeah. kit that I use. Mm -hmm. It's in my bag and that's what I go everywhere with. See, photography. Nice. don't need a savings account they just need to buy everything they want in the first two years and then spend the next two years selling it off to go the cool places they need mm. that's their savings <laughs> account mm -hmm. <laughs> so serena thank you so much for taking time with us today and joining us from australia in melbourne where can everyone go to find your work and to follow you because i know that they've been listening to you they're in love with you they want to follow your stuff yeah so i have a website serena-ho.com mm-hmm um, I also have an Instagram, Serena Versus World, and a Facebook, Serena Versus World. So they're the best places that you can find me. Awesome. awesome. They can follow you on your adventures and see where you're at next. You're going back to Lofoten, you said, over yes, in Norway. And wow, that's going to be great. I can't wait to follow you there. And we hope that you'll come back on with us. It'd be great to have you back. Yeah, I definitely will. Thanks and for having me. Absolutely. Thank, you. Thank you for meeting us in Oregon. Thank you for going to Secret Beach the time and hour and day that you did because <laughs> got a chance to hang out with you and Michael. And like we said in Oregon, if you're out here in Utah, man, we got you we'll covered. We'll host you. We'll yeah. host you. We got you a place to stay, a place to get a car. We drive you there, get your food. Let's, just, let's enjoy Utah on our expense. Let's have a blast. It'd be great to have you out here. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, of course. guys. So thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Go out there and follow her on Instagram if you aren't already. And go check out her Facebook page and follow her adventures. She's an awesome photographer. And use her advice in your guys' stuff. Get yourselves oh, yeah, out there. Absolutely. In two years, this is, where she's got, this is where she's come in two years. And maybe target that German market. Maybe that's what you need to do. Target that <laughs> Germany market. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Serena. See you, Serena. Thanks.